Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Peter, CSO of ABOzymes, and they discuss how Peter's company hopes to make blood types obsolete by being able to change any blood to type O. Learn about the science and the business behind this breakthrough right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So I was hoping we could start the discussion by sort of like giving me an overview of what what's the big picture mission for the type of work that you're working on. Okay, so what we really want to achieve is kind of eliminating blood groups, so human blood groups as a barrier for medical treatment, really. That's like the big picture. We want to have that for blood transfusions and for organ transplantations, because those are the big fields where your blood type is really defining kind of what kind of treatment you can get in a way of what's available for you to match, what kind of blood transfusions are there, is there a fitting organ for you available, and it all comes down to your blood type. And so it's really our mission to change that, that this is not a thing anymore to be worried about. So if if I need a kidney, and I'm one blood type. I the the person I'm getting the kidney from, I have to match their blood type. Yes, exactly. So when you think about blood types, there's blood type A, B, AB, and O. And really, O is the one which can go to everybody, whereas AB is really defined can only match certain things, right? And so if you're A, for example, you can only get a kidney from an A person or an O person. But depending in which country you're living, maybe you can only get kidney from an A person because it's locked in the same blood type. It comes down a little bit to policies too. And what we want to really do, we want to say, if an organ comes available, we make it O type, so available for anybody. So this is not anymore anymore the problem. You come in and say, who can I match to? And it's not that they have something available; it's the wrong blood type. You can get it, really, because. It's not only blood type which is important for organ transplantation. There's so many other factors, but blood type sits on top of everything and says, no, you cannot go there. <laughs> so that's like the first filter. Yes, that's an absolute first filter. So like you're going to make it that the blood type isn't doesn't, I don't want to say any organ can be given to anybody because there's other filters. Yes. But you're going to make that filter like an even playing field. Exactly. Because when you, Looking on waiting times for organs, then blood type gives a big change to it. Like if you're A type, you have to wait the shortest, obviously depending on the country and and the organ itself. And then you're waiting longer if you're O type, even longer for B type. And so depending on your blood type, then you uh, have to wait longer than other people potentially. And this is obviously not good. I'm going to ask you all sorts of questions. So eventually I'll probably get to somewhere where you're not super knowledgeable, but I'm just going to be like a kid in the candy shop excited about this. Is that okay? <laughs> Go ahead. What's the hardest organ to get or what's the organ that you've got to wait the longest for? <laughs> I mean, I don't have those numbers really in, in my head, but they're like organs which are like critical for you. I mean, if, you, if you're waiting for a kidney, right, you can go to dialysis. So even if you don't have the kidney anymore, you can still be kept alive. 
it's not the case for heart and lungs, really. There are methods to do that, but they are really tricky. And so this is probably the, kind of the hardest organs we're talking about when it comes to transplantation, because you have only such a short time frame in which you are able to get it. And then have kidneys where you can stay long alive by dialysis, but also having that happen to you is not, it's not pleasant, right? It's a huge cut into your quality of life, your finance situation, how you can work. And so sitting there and waiting for kidneys is also not good. This technology, it's not just for transplants. You could do it with just donor blood too, right? Yes. That's actually where we started really, where, where we discovered or kind of aimed for when we developed the technology initially is, is changing blood types for the sense of blood donations. Right? Because when you think about what's really defining you and your blood type is so-called antigens. And these are just like structures on top of your cells, which can be recognized by the immune system. And they figure out, hey, that's the wrong one. That's not the one I'm looking for. And then when you see that, then they get obviously annoyed. Blood types is based on antigen, which is based on sugars. And on the blood cells, there's tons of those antigens. And that's the reason why I initially called blood type. But then later on, they figured out, hey, those antigens are not only on blood, they're everywhere in your body. And you can change these now. Yes, you can change those now. Is it in reality today? Like today you can do it? Like you've done, have you done this? Has this been done? I mean, what's, what, what do you mean with have you done it? I mean, we, we went in the lab, we took blood, we changed it, right? What we didn't do, we didn't put it back into a human. Oh, no? Had you put it back into like any sort of test animal? With, with blood, you cannot really, I mean, you're really limited. It's human blood types. There are part a few chimpanzees, uh, like uh, monkeys out there, which potentially have those. But it's hard to really find a really good animal model. Pigs have the sa- some of the same blood type antigens you can use. And so we're actually aiming for that. Uh, but we're not there yet. What we did so far was changing blood we actually collected from humans, but then just change it and then run all the tests to figure out, hey, is this now O-type blood? And the test we did said, yes, that's O-type blood. To go then back into human, that's a long story. We're working hard on that. That's the reason why we created the company to really go this route and go to the regulatory elements to ask FDA, hey, what kind of experience we have to do that you allow us to go there. And on the organ side, we have, well, lucky we have a collaboration partner in a university in Toronto, in the uh, University Health Network, and they did for us tests on discarded human lungs. So they had lungs they couldn't transplant, and they took them, they used the enzymes, we used them in the system, and it changed them from A to O. They could really show that on a full human lung. It was pretty impressive. Uh, we got lucky enough to publish that actually this year. It was pretty great. Obviously, they cannot go back into humans either because they're discarded. And that's a different story. And we will, we will aim for that at some point. But the moment, that's really what we can show. It works in lungs, it works on blood. And now we're working really hard. And also, I think the same things for kidneys. But. Is there, like, how is there not like a bunch of urgency around this? It's like somebody written you a big check and said, make this happen. It <laughs> sounds like something many people would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have big interests from people on that. But similar skeptic than you, they really want to see how how it really works then in, in, a, in a human body, for example. And so we have to do some work to convince everybody that this is a safe technology to use and, and has the potential we promise around it. Um, but we found people which are obviously interested in giving us already money to move ahead with, with the studies. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound too complicated. Like, obviously, it's extremely <laughs> complicated. But, you know, so I've got uh, my brother and, and, and stepmom are both physicians, right? So I spend a lot of time with them, family stuff. They're always talking about medical things. And if I called up them right now and I just explain this basic thing, it doesn't sound too complicated. It's like, okay, you've got these antigens and that helps determine blood type or it is what determines blood type. And then you can manipulate these antigens and change the blood type you know, from their basic med school knowledge, that doesn't sound like too hard of a thing. And the reason why I bring that up is because often when you're raising money for things that are highly technical like this, you have to find the people that understand this to actually get someone to write you a check, right? No, it's true. I mean, especially on the blood side, it's a really nice story. Everybody kind of understands that right away. But if you tell them blood donations and you have to, you match the blood type and it was, oh yes that's that makes totally sense when you dive into the organ space not a lot of people know that those indigents are also present there and so that's have to start to explain and it's a little bit more complicated but in general yeah the story is nice to explain to people and people get it pretty fast actually what's going on and yeah it's cool <laughs> can you can can you convert it to any type or do you convert it to only the universal type and that's what people accept Yes, so what we can do is convert A to O. And the reason for that is how they're structured. So to keep it simple, like O is O blood type, which is an H antigen, is like the base level. It has like, let's say, three sugars. And on the on the A blood type here, we have one more sugar on top of that, you have four sugars. And the enzymes we discovered, what they can do is they can remove this one sugar. That's the reason why they can modify A to H and therefore to O. And they can do like super specific and effectively. And that's the reason why we have to develop this technology and like moving ahead with that. And so removing something that we can do. We cannot make O to A, but nobody wants it anyways. Got it. Now, what what country are you like operating in, your company? Canada. So are we operating in Canada? Yeah, so we, we founded the company in Canada uh, we're obviously aiming for the North American market, uh, U.S. Clearly, yeah, right? healthcare yeah. is expensive here. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> yes. place to be, right? <laughs> but obviously, we're also looking for Europe and, and all the big countries because it's a it's a worldwide interest and topic. And yeah. So have pe- people have given you money already? You've already raised money. Yes. Uh, what are, what type of groups are these that you're raising money from? Uh, obviously, early on, family and friends, and then angel investors. Okay. And now we're aiming for the next round soon for classic VCs. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And you you already have like the study, or you're publishing this study of what you were able to do with the lungs, and that was done by a third party. That's yes. the basis of science, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we came so originally can... from university background, right? And so a lot of university collaborations working on that initially. And now we have to move it one step further. It's the reason why I created the company to really find the funds to do the regulatory stuff because it's beyond academic research, really. Mm. What's driving your interest in this? Were you just an academic and you're entrepreneurial? Yeah, and you I just mean, happened to be studying that field. I mean, I'm kind of the last years of just like an academic scientist, which always had like in the background to think, hey, maybe someday we can move something really forward into the real world of what we're working on. And then I got lucky to work actually on this project and, and, and found this amazing enzymes. And that was like, this is our chance. It is something where we can change 
have an impact really on healthcare. And we said, let's, let's try it. Let's put our <laughs> thoughts together and see if we can get it started. And, and lucky enough, we found people believing in that and helping us uh, creating the company and, and working on that. So it was pretty amazing. And I'm still like, yes, <laughs> really happy that we, we can, could actually start it. Now, does all of this technology pretty much exist as far as the, whatever methods you would need to manipulate the structures or on your team, are you building any sort of technology to assist with this? Yes, yeah, so some things we, we obviously need to develop to, let's say, seamlessly integrate that into the existing structures to like, not really harvest blood, to, to collect blood from donor and then normally what would happen is you separate you don't have really whole blood which you transfuse you separate it into plasma platelets and and blood cell units and so to really allow the flow of putting enzymes into the modification and then wash them out again this needs to have some additional development uh but yeah we're working on that to really improve that because you don't want to have somebody sitting there and, and washing the blood manually and we develop the technology for doing that yeah, because eventually you're going to need to build like a factory that does this, right? I mean, we would integrate into the national uh, blood collection services, really, especially in Canada. And in the US, you have like several entities which actually do that uh, throughout the country. Oh. And would work together with them to, to utilize them, their systems you know, and say, hey, we have this amazing product. You want to buy it and convert your collected blood into universal blood. Right? That's pretty cool. Now, there's a whole field that I saw about five years ago <clears throat> on YouTube of them actually modifying inkjet printers to sort of print organs, right? <laughs> um, and I haven't researched it in a while, but have you seen that technology? Have you thought about that at all? Well, I mean, not really seen in person, but I know the technology exists and it's pretty exciting. And I see in a in the in the future those artificial organs would be really interesting and, and hopefully they're succeeding doing that really. Uh, uh, but still on the, on the way there, we need an alternative really and we providing that to get better access to matching organs as well technology. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Have you thought about what you're going to do when you become a billionaire? <laughs> but a bit far. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> so, but you buy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, a nice trip to space i guess <laughs> there you go yeah by then you'll have options you'll have you know spacex you'll have blue origin you can choose how you want to go to space so what else um this this obviously it affects a lot it affects and you know from collecting blood and just doing traditional like transfusion type stuff to the organs, what other areas does it impact, or is that pretty much it? I mean, it has impact on, difficult to describe, but they're like internal mechanisms around it, how you manage blood, especially when you're looking, for example, in uh, a good example for Canada, you have a lot of rural areas with different access to blood products, and they're like a whole system around managing that, sending like blood out there, they have access to universal blood, and then they have to cycle back inwards to cities we're actually using it a lot. And there's like a whole industry behind it, really managing the supplies and, and trying to match them and, and figure them out. And we hope to have an impact there on simplifying those processes, really. 
and make it easier accessible for everybody. Yeah, because I mean, one thing I don't think we've really said is that'll save more lives, right? Mm -hmm. Because We're hoping more that people will this be has its impact. Yes, yeah. So maybe yeah, you saw it now with, with the pandemic situation initially, where then you had less access to people and therefore less donations, and this has had an impact on on the, the blood supply. Is there any sort of um, like laws that are holding you up from moving faster, like to be able to test things that you want to test that you can't I mean, necessarily test right now? There are always laws to uh, to prevent early human testing, and, and and that's okay to have that in place to really be sure that everything is safe. And so it's it's not really an, a barrier; you just to know what to do, and we're working on that to move move around it and, and move past those kind of requirements which absolutely makes sense for uh, products like this used in humans so mm. yeah so they probably have a, a whole procedures like oh, yes. steps and methods you have to i mean back in the 30s they probably just did it to the humans <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> we talked to a few people which which worked on, on blood products early on and this was a different time so walk me through real quick, you know, obviously without giving up proprietary information, but what does it actually look like? So you, you take the blood, it's in a maybe a vial, and then you push, like, what? how do you manipulate <laughs> at like a, not like necessarily a super low level, but like how would it look visually if I were watching someone do this? Maybe we're looking at different ways to apply that really, but what would be the easiest is really, there's somebody donating blood, then he gets like this big bag of blood, and then you have the centrifuges machines to separate it out. You get like one yellow bag of plasma, one mixed bag for platelets, and then you have like the yogurt blood cell concentrate. And that would normally go in the fridge. And what we can do is just, like I said, inject the enzyme mix into this bag. You shake it for an hour or something like this, depending really what, how much you put in. And then it's converted. It's O type of blood cells. The enzymes are still in there, so we need to wash them out to avoid any potential reaction in the humans. We don't think there is any, but you need to be sure that you don't bring those enzymes in. And so you do those wash steps, and then you have clean red blood cells, old type red blood cells, universal ones, which you can then put in the fridge. And whenever you use them, you can you can transfuse them. That's pretty much the process for, for blood. And on organs, it's even simpler, but normally when an organ is is recovered from a donor it comes into a so-called organ per, uh, perfusion solution to store it and wash it because you want to get rid of, of the blood inside and you want to clean it up and in this washing solution you can include the enzymes which then performs a modification of the organ on on the transport or sitting there next to the patient waiting to be ready and as soon as as you know you're, you're good the organ is, is, is uh, converted you can just transplant that into the person. Oh, so this process is already happening as far as like you can inject into the existing workflow. Yes. They don't even have to do an entirely new foreign step. They're already putting this liquid in there to wash it. And you can just include your enzymes in there. Some modification in their work process, different bottle in there, longer incubation needs to yeah. be happening. But you're right. The, the process is not like you have to invent a new completely workflow with them, like a new machine for that. Yes. Now, how do you make the enzymes? We are lucky. Those are like bacteria enzymes. We actually found the enzymes in the human gut. 
because uh, when we originally started trying to figure out where do we find really effective enzymes to cleave uh, the A and B antigens, uh, we said, hey, the, pres- the antigens are present everywhere, even in the, in the human gut, and it's easy to get access to the human gut microbiome. And so this is where we looked for them and found them. And so because it's bacteria enzyme, you can produce them in bacteria, like classic industrial fermentation in, in E. coli, which is like the workhorse for producing uh, recombinant produced enzymes. And we do the same thing. Uh, it's really straightforward bacteria expression. So you, you just extract them and then like sort of clone yeah. them? We, we, yes. So we have like a plasmid, which carries the fragment of gene, which we want to produce. And it's in the E. coli and you have big tanks where you just grow them up and then you activate them and they produce for you the enzymes and you break them open. And then you have to clean them, obviously, to really isolate only the enzymes of your choice, which is the, the, the ones we need. And then you have a pure product and this you can inject into blood, put into fusion solution for organs and do the conversion. Mm-hmm. So your business would be like mass manufacturing of these enzymes and then yes. you would put them into, you know, send them to your partners and yeah. they would integrate them into their existing methods. Yeah, we need to produce them. Absolutely. Yeah. So are so you're just taking existing enzymes and isolating them and growing them. Um, from a business perspective, what stops other people from doing? You're right. It's like natural occurring enzymes. But we discovered a way to use them in a certain way, allowing us actually to get this really good performance we see for the antigen regeneration. And so oh, cool. the intellectual property around it, how to how to use it, which buffers, and, and what to do to get them really effective. Yeah, you've got like turbocharged enzymes. <laughs> exactly. Because this technology or the knowledge about that enzymes are able to modify red blood cells is around for quite a while already. In the 1960s, people discovered some enzyme in a coffee bean able to modify the B antigen or the B cells into O. But they were not ideal. They didn't have the wrong activity, pH value which are working. So it took quite a while for people to move ahead and find better ones. And so we just now found the ones you can use for industrial scales. Oh, very cool. All right. So how many different blood types are there? I mean, the problem is like only when you're looking at on the, on the ABO, you have obviously A, B, O, and AB. But then you have like minor blood types, your resource factors. There's a lot of things going on really in on red blood cells and in general in the immune system in humans. But clinically relevant, uh, most importantly, is the ABO group, which is in the end four. Okay. Because like... Like, let's say you're in America yeah. or Canada and you go to the doctor and there's a list of like a handful of blood types that they want to know which blood type are you? How many is going to be on that list? Um, probably eight, because they will ask you if you are, for example, A, then are you positive or negative? Because you either okay. a racist factor positive or a racist factor negative. And okay. depending where you are in the world, those ratios shift, um, especially in uh, when you go to Asia, you find more the B antigen people in Europe and uh, North America, more A. It really depends. Mm. Okay. So there's there's A positive and negative. Yes. B positive and negative. What's the third one? Is it O negative and positive and A, B, O negative. Okay. Like, it's, it's a combination. 
you either produce the A antigen, the B antigen, or you can produce both at the same time, then you are AB. Now, is there any blood that you can't convert? Any types that you can, or can you convert all of them? I mean, we focusing on the A, so A to O, because this is just the biggest population in North America, 40% of the people are A. And so it's just a really good accessible group. Uh, we're working also on the B enzyme because our goal is to eliminate all blood types. And so we have good candidates for also modifying the B antigen to O. So if you combine those, then you can obviously convert A and B. Mm. Yeah. And O is already universal, right? Yeah. All, all, o is where you want to go. O, universal blood type, that's that's the standard, the gold standard for what you want to really. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, there are like rare blood types too around, which is but a really low percentage where none of those uh, blood groups match really. Oh, yeah. Like, do they have cool names? Uh, it's called HA, and and I think the common name is Bombay blood type. And those oh. people can only get from the from the same blood type blood. They cannot get blood type from O or any of the other ones. So they are really very limited to be uh, like find the right matches. Oh, that's wow. Uh, so that that would be like what you think less than five percent of the population. Way lower than that. Way lower. It depends also where you're on the road. But yeah, it's probably, uh, I can't make any number. It's probably wrong. <laughs> it's under, <laughs> under 0.1% or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know. Okay, so what, what are you really excited about as far as like things that we haven't already discussed? I mean, what I found cool was kind of already talked about how we discovered the enzymes initially because it's just such amazing things in the human matter genome, which is or microbiome really because i mean you probably saw a lot of news coming up over the last years how important it is that you have a, have a healthy microbiome which has so much influence on your on how you digest things if your mental state on really everything and then going in there and actually finding there the enzymes which can effectively convert blood types is just just cool i find so how, yeah, I who knows how much other really cool enzymes are in there which you can use for all other interesting things for human health and, and production. Yeah, they're there just having a party waiting to be discovered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a few um, issues with like, you know, energy and stuff several years ago. And uh, I started to, you know, research it more to try to figure out like, you know, what's going on with myself. And ultimately, uh, the short story is that my stepmom, she owns a, a medical practice that's uh, like a private type practice. Uh, and they, you know, do everything from weight loss to, you know, sports athletes type deal. And we ended up doing a, a food test and I was like, uh, reactive, significantly reactive to more than half my diet. So that's what we found. And I eliminated all those foods and like eh, so many things changed for me. And uh, it sucks because I like, I love those foods and they weren't affecting me to the point where I was like unable to live life, you know, like they were just sucking the energy out of me. And I I just stopped eating them, things like pineapple and stuff. I, I just stopped eating them and boom, it was like within a couple of days, I just felt a huge difference. And so now I just can't eat a lot of that stuff. And, uh, but I was so surprised cause you're right. 
you know, you see on TV, you see in the stores now, in the past five plus years, the microbiome gut bacteria stuff has become really prominent. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> and yep, yeah, yeah. and that's where those amazing enzymes are just sitting to be discovered and to hopefully be used to change human blood types and eliminate that. Yeah. So when you're not manipulating blood, <laughs> <laughs> what what are you up to? What do you what type of hobbies do you have? Well, I love to go bouldering. That's really the one big thing I, I enjoy. Go out in the in the mountains, especially because I was I'm originally from Germany, uh, but then for my right. academic development, let's say this way, for my postdoc, I went to Canada to uh, my supervisor where I did the project, Stephen Withers. And so Vancouver is a beautiful city, especially if you like hiking. Amazing mountains around it. And so I did start a lot hiking with my partner there. And that's just just what I enjoy. <laughs> yes, there's great pictures of different places around that area that are really popular online, like when, you know, the different seasons and how beautiful it looks yeah. uh, on the mountainsides. And yeah, I haven't gotten to, like, I haven't gone yet, but uh, we're big nature people. I live out in a rural area. And basically one of my dreams was, because my wife and I, we enjoy hiking a lot as well. So one of my dreams was like to be able to have a property that like you could like you could hike on it. So on my <laughs> property now, um, we've it's about five acres and there's a you know a gentle slope so you can hike down it really easily. And then there's a little stream down there. So you know every couple of days I just walk around the property and I'm just like it's yeah. it's the thing I would used to have to go travel to do. You know, That's amazing, You're pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Especially coming from Europe, to actually encounter wildlife is is something unique. And then you go out there, and there's actually bears in the woods. <laughs> yes, yes. There, I, I was eating breakfast the other day, and a pack of deer just yeah. walking right through my yard. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's what I really enjoyed about Canada. <laughs> Absolutely. So, did you become a citizen of Canada? I, I'm running my PR application, just waiting for it to to go through. That's going on, and yeah, it would be great. Very cool. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll put in a good word. I'll call up Justin. And, no, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So is there anything we can do to help? I, I got a real good idea. You, you've explained to me this concept. I think it's fascinating. We love to have people on. And, you know, like yesterday we had on somebody that was built a molecular beverage printer. Uh -huh. So you can print like any drink in the world. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Um, and then I was I was really excited about this week because I got to talk to the molecular beverage printer and then the person who's like going to be saving lives and a huge deal. And um, yeah, so I, I'm just super grateful that you came and, and hung out with me and shared that with me. I'm well, always happy to talk about exciting things. And I yeah. think what we're doing is exciting. And so thank you that you actually asked. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything we can do to help? Um, at all like if you look at our list of past guests uh we have you know a number of people that are you know in large companies that touch the medical space as well so if you want any introductions or if there's anything you think we could do to help just let us know because this is a good cause i love what you're doing and i want to help push it absolutely forward. i will check it out because it's always good to to talk to more people and learn more and build a better network that's the most important thing really to move new technologies ahead and and be effective. <laughs>
And are you currently taking uh, investment, like private investment, or we finished uh, investment round a few weeks ago? So in the moment, not. But actually, end of the year, we we want to start another round, and so we be looking okay. to find the right people who are interested in the technology and, and helping us to moving that thing along and having us to succeed. Yeah. Well, I've, like I said, I've got a, several doctors in our family and <laughs> do, we do investment stuff together. And so it would be interesting to look over what you're doing from a business standpoint. And uh, yeah, so keep me in the loop Absolutely. when you do uh, get there. That'd be really cool. And um, man, thank you so much for coming on and, and hanging out. Is there any message that that we want to get out to the world that we didn't get out there already. If you're not signed up for organ donation, do it. It's a really good thing for everybody, and and go out and and donate blood. It's it's important. So that's really the message. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.